Welcome to episode two of the Forever Fangirls podcast, the safe space where we discuss anything we fangirl about from books, TV, films, geeky tech, video games, sports, in my wife's case, financial, financial nerdy numbers. numbers. Yeah, I just said that. I am your part of your co-hosting team. I am Kimberly and I am on Twitter at Kimberly Amato. And I am Sheila. I don't have a personal Twitter account. No, she's Twitterless. <sighs> but I am going to be active on the Forever Fangirls Twitter account at Forever Fan Pod. As always, if you see the dash S, it is from Sheila. If you see the dash K, it is from me. I still think she's Twitterless, though, because our big podcast account does not really... I don't think it counts for... It should count. It it's does a, not it's count. It's a Twitter account. Yes, it is. But it is not a personal account. You don't have a personal Twitter. You know what? It's still the same Twitter account. No, it's not. It's not the same. It's not Sheila Amato or at Sheila Amato. I have Facebook and I have Instagram. Which truthfully, it, I think if you tried to get at Sheila Amato on Twitter right now, it would not be available. See? So I'm good with Forever Fan Pod. Anyway... We are your co-hosting team. We are married, as you can tell. And if not, you will, because our banter back and forth just screams lengthy connection to one another. That's just because you don't listen. Yes, dear. Anyway, we are so glad you could join <laughs> us for the second episode of this podcast. We really do appreciate you subscribing, tuning in, and what have you. And if you remember the previous episode... Yes, the previous episode, um, we actually had a little trivia question for you. Ding, 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 ding. Yes, and so before we get into the heart of this current episode, we wanted to just recap that trivia question and see if you got it correct so that trivia question was this tv show in the 90s with its strong female leads filled a void for the lgbtq plus community and represented representation they represented i just really wanted to annoy you again really yes <sighs> so do you know what the answer is i do i do i do yeah, what is it? Oh, you're actually allowing me to answer? Yes, I am. I asked the, I asked the question. Xena Warrior Princess. You are correct. I knew it. Well, you also had the answer, so I yes. I do, but... You had the answer. Come anyway. on. Anyway. So on today's show, we are going to be talking about Xena Warrior Princess. What we like about the show, how it affected a lot of LGBTQ um, people out there, and why it became such an iconic show. Well, besides the obvious. Besides the obvious? Yes, besides the obvious. I mean, you have the fun campiness. The The writing was really very, very good. I mean, I, I, they knew exactly what they had um, when Xena appeared on Hercules. Well, I'm not sure that they did because what I what I remember reading way back when was that that three episode arc was um, was supposed to end with Xena dying on that show. 
Yeah, no, I remember reading that too. But I think they knew once those three episodes aired, um, or maybe like the first two, um, they they knew that the character was good. I think uh, Rob Tapert and Sam Raimi fully knew that this was a very interesting character they could play with, whether they just wanted to bring her back on Hercules or make a spinoff at that moment when they actually shot that three episode arc. I don't know. I mean, they had already used Lucy Lawless earlier in Hercules for a completely different character. So I don't, I can't remember that. I never watched Hercules. So, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't get into it. Um, I really, I tried. I really did. I did find Michael Hurst to be entertaining, but I really never liked Kevin Sorbo. I just, I never enjoyed him on screen. I never felt connected to him. I never felt, I don't know. I just, you know how there's some people that are supposed to be like impervious and they're supposed to be like this really strong character, but they're still flawed and you still feel like you can connect to him. Mm-hmm. I never felt that way with him. Mm. Yeah, I guess. Like I said, never watched Hercules. I, uh, I actually, you know, didn't realize that Xena was part of Hercules because I didn't start watching the show until the second season. I was actually, it's funnily enough, I was um, at the time really new in New York. I had... When did you move to New York City? 97. August 97. In the middle of summer. In the middle of summer. I had actually, I had dropped out of college at the time. And I was in California. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I was working for a money management firm. And um, there was an opportunity for me to apply to Columbia. And I've always wanted to go to an Ivy League institution. And so I'm like, you know what? Let me try it. Applied. I got in. And then not knowing anything about New York, I just moved here. So you just uprooted everything and just traveled across I the country. I uprooted and came to New York, never really been here. Not I didn't know anybody except for maybe one person. And then I just wanted to focus on school. And in a city of 8 million people or so, I felt very alone. And so one Saturday evening, I was just flipping channels because, you know, I just that's what you do on a Saturday evening. Well, when you don't have anywhere to go. and Well, but that's what I'm saying. That's what you do on a Saturday evening when you're bored and there's no place to go. and Exactly. So I was just flipping channels, and then all of a sudden there's Xena on TV. And it was uh, in its second season, and it happened to be a day in the life. And I was laughing my head off. I was about to say something else. I love how you pause there. It's like dead air for a hot second. Yeah, well, I didn't want to say that word. No, I, I'm all for it. So uh, I just really enjoyed the show. And then it became a weekly ritual every Saturday. I, I was living with the roommates at the time. And so it was just, okay, close the door. It's whatever time it was that it aired on USA. And I was watching it. Now, you, you watched it on USA. I think so, yes. I remember it being on... The WB? Well, it was either... Well, it was WB, it was PIX11. It, I mean, the, the channel, yes. it has yeah. changed and had so many um, varying titles. But I remember being Channel 11. I remember... Um, well, one was first run and then the other one was like the USA was something. syndication. Yeah. So, you know, whichever channel it was, 
I made sure that I did not miss an episode. And ever your since your then. roommates never got into it. No, well, they were gay men, so they didn't really care. And they didn't get into Hercules either. No. Interesting. I figured, you know, there was a there was a huge following for Hercules that were gay men that thought that he was they did not like the show. They did huh. not even know about Hercules, I don't think. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, whatever the case may be, I was um, just hooked on Xena from then on. And it really, I mean, what did the show do for you? It actually made me feel like, okay, you know what? The world isn't perfect. And there are people who aren't perfect and that they are trying to do good in this world. And sometimes it just they do the best that they can. So when you when you first saw it, which character were you like drawn to? I just was I, like I just enjoyed the interaction between Zena and Gabrielle. So it really wasn't like, oh my god, there's Lucy Lawless. No, it was more like, wow, that you know they they're having fun. They're just having conversations and traveling and doing what, whatever it is that they were doing at the time. And in your case, because it was the first episode you saw, they were also sitting on the soap. I sitting on the soap. You don't remember that sequence. It's from a day in the life. I just remember Gabrielle, you sitting on the look, soap. I, uh, I just remember how I felt watching that show. I felt for the first time that I wasn't alone. Was it, was it because of just like, because I know how it affected me and I know how it affected, uh, you know, I've read how it's affected a lot of people, but for you, you weren't out yet. Did you have any idea that you were bisexual at that time? I, I did, um, but I never really, I never really acted on it because there was just no... Opportunity is not the right word, but there was no one who who like drew your attention, right? And so I'm like, all right, you know what? This is this is fun. This is campy. So yeah, I kept watching the show, and then you know the the internet was you know in its infancy. Yeah, but there were there were ways of finding out that oh, you know what there. They have a convention where you can actually meet the stars. And I, I was then really hooked on going to conventions. Well, but I, the reason I ask about the bisexuality and the connection is because when you first started watching the show, um, you know, we are talking about how it, it really was, even though it was all subtext, it really was like this great show that, that gave indirect representation. And again, yes. I say indirect because it, it was it, subtextual. Right. They, they knew it what they were playing forefront. with. Correct. Yeah, they, they were running with it. They were playing with it. But for you, it wasn't just that. It gave you, it, it gave you something to hold on to, like you said, so you weren't alone. Correct. And it was something that I could escape from the reality of my situation at the time. You know, I was really, I, I was, I was in New York to pursue my degree. Mm-hmm. But in the pursuit of that degree, I felt miserable because there was just, there was no human connection, real close human connection. So, yeah, I, I can, yeah, I can get that. 
I can, all my family was back in in California. Yeah, I can I can I can understand that because for me, I. I don't remember what episode. I know you, you remember the exact episode. I don't remember what episode. I do know it was in season one. And I remember I was in a very bad, I consider it now looking back on it emotionally abusive, abusive relationship um, with, and I don't want to go into details of which version of girlfriend or whatever, because it, it doesn't, at this point in my life, it doesn't matter. Mm. But they were not very kind to me. They were... Um, very emotionally, uh, again, I'm using that word again, but it's hard to explain, but it was just one of those people that like, if you, if they said jump and you didn't say how high you were belittled for not saying that, if you did say how high you were belittled for jumping too quickly and saying how high nothing, you could never do anything right. Yeah. And yet when you then gave of yourself or like gave a gift or gave anything, there were these moments of these, amazing, loving, um, kind-hearted things that were done in reply. And you're like, oh, okay, they're not really that bad. So you stay. You know, that's that's how my relationship was. I would have these great moments of connection with this person and that convinced me to stay around. And then there would be these rip-roaring screaming matches where um, it was so uncomfortable and so disconnecting for me that I felt like I was two different people. So it was, it was really when it those... It wasn't a healthy relationship. Not at all. And when, when I remember sitting in her living room watching TV and she was complaining about something and I just remember hearing this weird yell because she always had to hold the remote and she was flipping channels and it was a weird call that I will not even attempt to do. No. No one can do that. No, I, I, that's all Lucy. And I remember sitting there going, oh, what the hell is this crap? Like that was really the first thing I thought of was what the hell was this crap? That's Be- funny. So you're you're thinking what the hell was this crap while I was laughing my well, but my, the thing is I remember it, it was what the hell was this crap not because of what was on the screen because I hadn't I hadn't yet seen anything I just heard this obnoxious yell mm. and I didn't know what it was in reference to so here I am thinking it's some documentary you know, about people screaming and yelling at everybody. And again, I'm in a, a bad relationship. So for me, screaming is bad. Yeah. And it, it came with negative connotation. And then she laughed at something. And I remember going, all right, well, whatever this is, we're going to be watching it. Because again, didn't have control of the remote. And like you, you said you didn't feel alone. I but, did feel alone. No, but when you watched it, it made you feel like you had someone. Yes, yes. When... I watched it, I was immediately drawn to Gabrielle. I was immediately, I don't, again, don't remember the episode, but I just remember watching her and the insecurity and the creativeness because I I had been a very creative person even then. I was trying to act. I was trying to take singing lessons because I, I love being creative and I had been, I had allowed, and I say that now because I'm so much older, I had allowed someone to push me to the point of where I walked away from my dreams. So while you were finding Xena fulfilling your dreams, I was losing sight of myself. I was not comfortable in my own skin. I was eating one sandwich a day to try to continue to lose weight. I did this for years. I did anything and everything I could to make someone else happy and not myself. And I saw that in Gabrielle. I saw how much she so desperately wanted to make her own mark, but in in doing so, she really wanted to make Zena happy. 
And I watched that character grow into someone who stood on her own two feet and said, I need to be happy. And I think for me, that tipping point was the bittersweet when it was just they're fighting and they realized, you know what, we are not, we are better together because we're, we're family. Mm-hmm. Again, take that subtextually. But that episode to this day still kind of makes me tear up and really hits me emotionally because it was like that breaking point for me. Like I can stand on my own. I can fight someone I love if I believe in what I'm saying, if I'm doing what's right for me. But you had to find that inner strength within yourself. Which I didn't know I could do. And here I'm sitting watching a um, a television series that really and truly shouldn't... I mean, let's let's be frank. It was really put out there like this weird campy show. It was... I think it was like Saturday or Friday night. It was like a weird time slot. I remember the time slot. But I remember just watching it. I remember just feeling like someone, like I said, Gabrielle reached into my chest and just like grabbed my heart and didn't let go. Mm. And it was just like, you are, you're not alone in this. You're not alone hiding who you are. You're not alone hiding the abuse you're going through. You're not alone at all. So while you felt physically alone, because you know, you're surrounded by like however many million people in Manhattan and you're by yourself, I felt emotionally alone because I had all these friends. I went to clubs. I went to school. I had all these people that I could connect to and not one of them could I talk to about what was going on with me. I think we were in the same boat because it's not just the physical aloneness for me. It was also emotional. Okay. And so... That's why I think that the show meant so much because it was, it was having your person, yeah. whatever, whatever shenanigans they got into and they got into a lot, mm-hmm. they always had each other to fall back on. There and was so a- that was something that I was, you know, kind of searching for at the time. And then like, you know, like you said, the, the internet really, I mean, there was, there was no social media. No, there wasn't. Can I mean, you imagine I still, what kind of so- oh my oh, god! No, that'd be horrible. Um, I I think what I think what made this work at the time it worked is because there was no social media. Um, That's interesting. Well, be- because Xena meant so much to so many people, and it initially, I think, if we had social media in the '90s, everything would have been outed, everything would have put out there, and then the press. Because remember, the '90s were not as open, and that's not saying much because even now they're not as open. I started to say, compared to what? Well, but gay marriage is legal. That's true. Or same-sex yes. marriage is legal. Yes. So, if we had this show now, or with the social media presence of now in the 90s and i apologize for that sounds so convoluted but if the show was shot in the 90s and everybody had twitter facebook you know and whatnot um, snapchat whatever i think the backlash from the fans would be just get them together and then the press would be well this is on twitter and we can't have this and the show might have been shut down mm. because in the case of uh, nikki and nora which is an amazing show um, that never got made. I mean, it got made on um, as a web series, a second season. But the initial pitch... I didn't even know about Nikki and Nora. Oh, well, it's an amazing, amazing show. Like I said, Xena was like the 
be all and end all for me. Liz Vassie, Christina Cox, but neither here nor there. When that was pitched, it was during a time of when Bush might have won the election, Bush Jr. And if he won, you know, the Republicans are very, they're okay, very not- anti, I know, but... The, the Republicans at the time in power were very anti-same-sex. They were very anti-a lot of things. So if the show got picked up, if Bush had won, based on uh, what I've read, the show probably would never have made it forward. And he won, and the show never did get picked up. So I don't think Xena would have been picked up if it had been a relationship between two women blatant. I think the only reason this worked was because it was subtextual. It was very subdued and there was no social media to bring it to a lot of people's attention. I mean, it still ended up in people magazine. It still ended up having all these reviews. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very, it, w- it, it was a very big cultural phenomenon at the time. Yes, but it was not billed as a lesbian relationship. It was billed okay. as two women, great friends, traveling the country. Mm. If they had been in a relationship... Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Wink, wink, exactly. They knew what they were doing. But I don't think if we had the social media presence we have today, back then, I don't think the show would have lasted that long. I think people in power would have tried to shut it down. I think studio heads would have shut it down. Mm. So but it I was mean, making a lot of money. Well, yeah, but even... Um, I think it was in the episode A Quest when Xena was, spoilers, dead. She, you know, Gabrielle was taking her in, in the sarcophagus and she came across Bruce Campbell. I don't remember what character he played. It's like eluding me right now. Apologies. But when she went to quote unquote speak to Xena in the other realm through him, when they went to kiss, they did a quick camera search where it looks like they're leaning in to kiss, but all of a sudden she's kissing Bruce Campbell's character. Yeah, but that's a normal... But again, this is the 90s. That was considered pushing the envelope. Mm. Whereas now, you know, we've got, what, like the Showtime's The L Word were... were blessed to have a show like that where two women can have sex on a television screen and it's just rated M or explicit or whatever it is because it's two people having sex. Mm. So I, I really, you know, thinking of the social media aspect, I don't think that would benefit it at all. Well, I guess we'll never know. Thankfully, no. But there were, what, there was... I think there there was AOL, so there were chat rooms. There were definitely chat rooms. I mean, I I remember going to Creation's website to to look for you know when is the next convention. That will be a different episode because that that's a, oh that's whoa, a whole different conversation, different topic. Um, the, the life of being a Zenite from the very beginning. Yes. I mean, I was at Renee Renee O'Connor's first convention. Yeah. I was there. So well, let's not spoil that, but. Um, but yeah, there, there were a lot of chat rooms. I remember, um, email chains and email. Oh, like a, like a newsletter thread almost, right? Yes. Yahoo groups. Yes. Where I would get, um, like I would, I remember 
looking to see, okay, is is someone posting something today? Mm -hmm. I remember websites popping up where fan fiction could be put. Um, There was a lot of fan remember? Do you remember Tom? Tom Zenite page. I don't remember what his last name was, but he had a Zenite page. Oh my page. gosh, yes, I do remember and that. And it, 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 re- was, it was like one of the first places where if, if you wanted to connect to people, there were um, people that would put up their email addresses mm-hmm. and who they were looking to connect to mm-hmm. and what areas. So he broke it down by like state, you, you know, obviously you had to submit who you were. Um, but there was fan fiction. There was recaps of episodes. Yes, his site was really phenomenal. And then you had... Um, Mary's Aussie XP XIP. I don't. I don't. Forgive me. I don't remember the website per se. It might still be. Oh in my existence. gosh! I am like kind of. I'm seeing that in front of me. Yes. And they had, but they had to code it from scratch back then. Yes. So uh, there was no WordPress. There there wasn't this. There was you know open bracket this code that, close bracket. That really was a labor of love. To yeah, you had to really set that up. So watching watching that really. Um, really made me realize how far the show had gone because it not only connected the LGBTQ community. So, you know, the Q plus community. So we actually had people on screen and we had writers. Um, I, I believe that one of the writers was actually queer that wrote for Liz Friedman. Really? I didn't know that. I believe she was. And forgive me again if I'm, cause this is all going off memory, but I believe, um, all of this was going on and we actually had people that not only looked at us and went, cool, you're good. But we also had people going, Hey, let's give them what they want mm-hmm. within reason. Cause we've got the studio to deal with. Right. But they really did push the envelope a great deal for us. And then you had the opposite spectrum where you still had an immense straight following because it really did give everybody a bit of something. Yeah. I really love the storylines of, of some of the episodes. I can't, I, I don't remember them as, as well as you do, but um, I know I wanted to watch the, uh, the reruns that they were doing when. uh, Oh, when sci-fi had the marathon. Yes. When they had the marathon, but you know, work got in the way. I'll I'll be honest. Um, I know everybody says their favorite episodes are um, like the funny ones, you know, like you say, a day in the life you love. My favorite episode is Remember Nothing. Um, Xena meets the fates and she wishes because they say you saved us or whatever and they grant her a wish she, and she wishes. She says, I don't have to make a wish. I'm not going to. And they say, oh, you, we know what your heart desires. It's already been done. And they grant her wish that her brother Lysias is still alive. And yes, I remember all of these things, but I don't remember the writers or their, you know, other characters. I just remember specific things of the show. And uh, this episode really hit me hard because it would be what would happen to Gabrielle if there wasn't someone to stand in her way and kind of help her onto the path she's supposed to be on. Because even if somebody stands in your way and says, this is where you're supposed to go, like Xena really was... um, the divider for a lot of people where they could say, Hey, you're free to be who you are. It doesn't matter, you know, what your orientation is or what your identity is. Just live your life, be free to be who you are. And if Gabrielle didn't have someone like that who said, Hey, Gabrielle, you can be the writer. You could be the bar. You could, you can be a fighter. You can do what you want to do. You don't want to fight. That's fine. She would still be in Putadia. 
she would still be in Potadia, but the problem is, and remember nothing brought this to light, Potadia had been attacked after the fact. So because Potadia was attacked after the fact, she would have been sold into slavery. Mm. And so the episode is Xena in Amphipolis being engaged to be married to some guy and she's told bluntly you can never draw a drop of blood or basically everything's going to get reverted and so here comes gabrielle and she's got scars on her back from where she's been i don't remember this episode yeah it's it's so powerful in my head because really and truly it when that episode came out i i mean bittersweet is great and it still makes me cry a little bit but um the the episode remember nothing still breaks my heart because I feel that if somebody didn't tell me that I was in a bad relationship, I might've stayed in it. If someone didn't have the courage to tell me I deserve more, I would have stayed because even though I, I broke up with that individual, I kind of went on that downward spiral of, I don't deserve anything. So whoever wanted to date me, you know, you have bad relationship after bad relationship after bad relationship. And part of that at a certain point falls on you because you don't know any better. You don't assume you know better. It's hard to see the situation when you're in it. Yeah. And you then have w- to be when you have it. an episode like Remember Nothing, when it literally shows, you know, you, you can do it on your own. That's not saying you can't. Everybody is immensely powerful, but sometimes it really does. It really does help. And you really don't know what your life's going to be like if you remove one little aspect. I mean, if she never met Xena, she's a slave. And she ends up, again, spoilers if you haven't seen anything of Xena, but it's very important. Gabrielle's entire theme is she doesn't want to hurt anybody. She would never draw blood. And in this episode, she's so lost sight of who she is. She is so angry and so bitter that she takes the the sword and stabs it in somebody who had been abusing her and goes, here's your sweet thing, pulls the sword out and stares at it almost fondly. And it was everything that Xena realized, you know what, changing my life for the better and changing my history doesn't make life better. So she ends up drawing blood and then reverts back to Gabrielle having met her and everything else. And it's just, it was just very, very powerful to me because it was the first time I realized, you know what, I, I did have somebody that did that. And part of it was me, you know, realizing and, and allowing that person in. But somebody in the Xena community said, you deserve better than this. You don't, you don't deserve these relationships that aren't treating you well. No, and uh, not just you, but anybody. Anybody out there in, in a bad relationship, you are worth something. You're... You deserve to be happy. And, you know, it, it's, it's really funny because it, those are the little choices that we make every day is basically what brings us to who we are and, and I think, personally, where we're meant to be. I mean, if I didn't come out to New York, I would never have met you. No, but I also think in in the case of Xena, if you didn't find Xena and find your representation and find your connection, you never would have gone to the conventions. If you never go to the conventions, you never meet someone who looked at you and went, you look really pretty. Hi, would you like to, um, possibly, you know, I mean, I go to school in the city and you go to school in the city and, um, yes. 
So everything. And made you eat a cheeseburger. You did. The first thing she said was, um, I needed to eat a cheeseburger because I was so thin. But anyway, I didn't say that to you. No. Um, but that's a story for a different day. Um, but yeah, so that was a very really deep, deep but I, I think conversation. I think we made the point about Zena really did really offered representation in a, in a personal way for the two of us, but also for a community yeah. because the, there really was nothing out there willing to push the boundaries or willing to give a community. To well, a, of course it resonated because otherwise, you know, it wouldn't have that massive cult following that it had. It, that with it the exception did. of that last few episodes well, of season six. Anyway, but season six. Uh, so, yeah, that's our discussion. What would you have said? Like, what is what is your Xena moment? If you have never seen Xena, please do. I know that you can buy the episodes on Vudu. You can, um, I think Sci-Fi still has them on their website to listen to until sometime in, it might be off already, it's April. But you have, if you look at Sci-Fi's website, um, they do have them listed. I might, might, I might go back and watch some of these episodes. Now you I'm you like, might, huh. you will. I know you well enough, you will, because now you're going to be like, I need to know what the hell my wife was talking about. Well, because I just don't remember that episode. But, you know, I, I want to know, and I think Sheila wants to know, what, what did Xena mean to you? Whether you saw it when it aired the first time, where you went or went to conventions, or when you saw it later in uh, syndication, what did the show mean to you? What did it give you and make you feel? Yes, and so... Drop us a line on Twitter and let us know your thoughts. Email us your thoughts, whatever you want. However you feel most comfortable reaching out, we would love to hear from you. Okay. So, switching gears now. Oh, no. To the fun part. To her trivia questions. Okay. So, again, we are going to have a trivia question that will... um, foreshadow what our topic for the next episode is going to be. I am so looking forward to that episode. Are you? Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Okay. So, you ready for the trivia? Yes, I am. All right. So, here's your trivia question. What oddball genre movie, also with a female lead, became a cult classic TV series on WB? And I'm going to give you all a hint. It was just revealed recently that Dolly Parton was one of the producers through her company of it. Yes. I did not know that. Neither did I. So. I'm, I'm absolutely like, oh my God, that's awesome. Yes. So Dolly Parton is, 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 is a pioneer. She is, most definitely. So that is basically everything we wanted to discuss. I hope you don't mind. We kind of went on tangents a little bit and discussing all aspects. Xena really does mean a great deal to us specifically because we met um, due to the series and and our Mm -hmm. fandom within it. And I, you know, I have a real sentimental side when it comes to that show and the conventions and and seeing, because my life changed for the better because of it, because it put me on a path that led me to you. Yeah. We didn't know it at the time, but yes. I had absolutely no idea. Neither did I. But you know what? It's all good. It's all about the adventure. 
So thank you so much for joining us again. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. You do not miss an episode. And until next time, stay safe. And remember, age is just a number in life and in fandoms. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. It's French for goodbye. Come on. Thank you. Au revoir.